0: Hi, welcome to the City View Phoenix podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. All right, here we are just a few days before Election Day. It's a day that we all have been anticipating. It's to me, I I look at this election. It's almost like people have chosen their favorite team to win. It's sort of it's such a crazy thing. And I'm sure many of us have made decisions, and you're not going to change who you're going to vote for. That's done. It's set. You've either already voted, you're either already set in your ways, and, or you have already getting ready to vote. And that's, just, that's the case. That's where we're all at right now. And so no matter what, that means you're not going to persuade somebody by what you say or what you do. We're already set. But can we fight for unity and love relentlessly? Can we do that? Can we walk into work on Wednesday, knowing Jesus is the only one that really matters and knowing that Jesus never lost his authority on the throne? You see, life here on earth is temporary. But each one of us are going to live in eternity, either in heaven or hell. Those are things that we know. You see, God will not be surprised by whatever comes of the election this year. God is in control. He will still be in control and his will will still be accomplished. When he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not defeat it, will not overcome it. That will still be accomplished. Nothing, no person, no election, no power, nothing can get in the way of God doing what God wants to do. So what are you going to do? You have a choice on how you are going to react and what you're going to do after Wednesday. We have a choice even up before then, what are we going to do? Because I believe the church... We have so much more to be involved in than just an election. Imagine if we were as passionate about living for Christ and shouting his name as we are about what to vote for and who to vote for and where we stand on these issues. Imagine, imagine if we took that passion and put it into shouting Jesus. You see a forest fire is not started with a huge flame. It started with a single spark. And imagine if you allowed that fire that's burning inside you to consume you, that you might take it to the world around you. Imagine, imagine if we as people did a simple thing like loving one another every day. As we enter into the tension of these days, let us let love lead and unity be what drives us. Can we disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for unity? I believe that there's a fire that God wants to start in our hearts, that He wants to spread to our city, to our nation. And to the world, will you join me in being a part of what God wants to do here in our city? Let's pray. In Jesus' name. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. We thank you, God, for for your your moving and your action, God. We thank you that we don't have to be worried about what is going to come of this year's election. God, I thank you that we don't have to worry about who's in control because, Lord, in the end, you're, you're still in control. You never lost authority. You never lost power. So, God, I ask that you would allow us to be comforted in that. Lord, I ask that we would see you do great things. Lord, we pray for revival. We pray for movement. Lord, we pray that we would be a people that allows you to use us to do great things in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our city, in our state, and in our nation. God, may we not shy away from being part of what you're doing, but Lord, may we jump in and may we be 100% in on what you're doing. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So good morning, or good afternoon, or whatever time of day you are watching this. I'd like to thank you for joining City View's online experience. My name is Jeremiah. I'm the senior pastor, the lead pastor here at City View Church, and we are in a series titled Talking Points. As we enter into this uncomfortable tension of this election year, it has been the most divisive year I think I have ever experienced in my 42 years of living on this earth. And over the past few weeks, we have been talking about this this idea and this, this thought and Jesus' teachings on loving one another. Last week, we looked at that, how Paul talked about the law of Christ and the law of Christ is to love one another. And this is sort of where we're jumping off. This is where I want all of us to hang out. This is where I want all of us to sort of say, am I willing to do this? Am I willing to to be a part of what God is doing? Even though the things are so so tense right now, am I willing to walk the walk that Jesus is calling me to walk? And here's what Jesus has asked. Actually, he's commanded of all of us in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This has been sort of our anchor verse for this time. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. Jesus says, will you just love, love one another. This is the commandment, the only one. The Jews were used to so many. They had over 600 different rules and laws. Jesus says, "I'm giving you one, one commandment, and when you do this one commandment, it makes all life better." Jesus says, "Love one another." By this, he says in verse 35, "By this, all people will know that you are my follower." You know, we 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 brag about so many things. We we wear our favorite team shirts. We we post about our favorite restaurants. We we share all these things, and people know where we stand on different sides. People know whether you are red or whether you are blue. People know whether you like hamburgers or whether you like salads. People know whether you are a Suns fan or whether you are a Lakers fan. People know whether or not you are a sports fan or not. They know the kind of music you like. People know all those things about you But do they know this? Jesus says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciple. By what you post, by how you live, by how you act, by what you do at work, by what time and how how you are on time with your work, how you are on time with your homework. But people will know, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Jesus says this is what his people, what we should be defined by, by our love. And when we look at history, when we look at the history of the world, it is love that changes families, communities, cities, governments, and nations, and our world. It was the love of Christ that changed everything It was his love that was willing to give up everything to come down to earth to love us. It is because a small group of Christians that decided to actually live the way that Jesus taught them. It was because of a small group of believers that said, you know what? We're going to do this. Jesus, yes, you're dead and you've risen again. You, you are in heaven, but we're going to take this message of hope that you've given us and we're going to do it. It was a small group of people, of our people, of the people that were, there are ancestors, there are family members. It was the people who, who, who. Allow or who who God used to spread his nation. It was our people that decided they were not going to sit back and let life pass them by. It was our people. And they were not going to sit back and hope someone steps in and makes the changes that need to be done in their nation and in their city. They weren't gonna sit back and just let people make rules. They were not gonna sit back and just let life be what it is. They're not gonna make excuses. They're like, you know what? We have a message. Jesus died for, that he rose again for. We have a message that changed our life and we're going to take it everywhere we go. And they got up and they got to work and they showed the world what hope, love, and life really looks like. And this small group of people, they were nothing special There's nothing special about them. Look at, if you look at Acts chapter four, verse 13, when, when two disciples, Peter and John, they were arrested for following Jesus, for preaching God's word. And it says about them, when they saw the courage or the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated. They were not top of the class. Some of us think I can't be used by God because I'm not smart enough. I don't have an education. I never went to seminary. I never went to school. You know, I went to two years of Bible college. That's all, that's all I did. I, I, I graduated high school with a 2.92 in, in, for my grade point average. That, that's me. I am, I am uneducated. He says they were uneducated, ordinary men. That's who God used, uneducated, ordinary men It says, and they, and they were astonished and they took note of this. They took note, they recognized, they realized, they saw it in them that these men had been with Jesus. You see, God used these men, ordinary, uneducated men, to cause an uproar in a city. And they weren't doing things violently. They weren't going and protesting. They weren't trying to cause problems. They were bringing a message of hope and love to a nation that was so divided on every level possible. We can't even begin to imagine the level of division. You think our world is divided now? We have two colors, whether it's red or blue, maybe you're green. I don't know where you stand. But here's the thing, in that country you were divided according to social status, according to the color of your skin, according to where you were born. You were divided according to how a- what age you were, whether you were a man or a woman, whether you were a person of stature or not. You were divided on every single level possible. And when Jesus entered the scene, and when his disciples took the message of Jesus to the world, he said, we are all on level ground, and that shook the world. He br- they brought this message that we all can receive the love of Christ. We all can have hope, and we all can have new life. When this message entered, and God used some ordinary people to shake the world, a fire began. A fire began. And God started to change things. You see, we look to politicians and policies when God look is looking to you and to me. He's just saying, will you just be available and let me use you. Let me use you. You see, this kind of living is attractive when somebody falls in love and allows the love of Jesus to consume them. When somebody allows that love to overflow them and all of a sudden when people start to notice that not only does God make my life better, but he makes me better at life. When people start to notice that you love your family, that you love your kids, that you love what you do, that your love is in action, that you want to go and and love people in your community, that you want to do things to to love others. When people see that in you, it makes them want it. I mean, when you go to a restaurant, what do you do? You tell everybody about it. You got to check out this place. They've got the best, you name it. I don't know what. They got the best. And then what else do we do when we really like it? I mean, you might go and give it a Yelp review. You might post a picture about it and tag that restaurant on your Instagram and your story. So they get a shout out so that that restaurant knows that, hey, they like what I ate and they I love that place. Everybody needs to go. We become the biggest fans, right? You want everybody to know this is how the early believers felt about Jesus. Their Instagram would have been full of Jesus quotes. Their Facebook would have just been all about how God changed their life. I can't believe God loves me. I was this and now I am this. I was a sinner stuck in my ways and now I am saved by his grace. And they would have been posting and sharing. They were telling their neighbors. They were telling their neighbors' neighbors. They were telling their grandmas, aunts. Cousins, uncles, best friends, neighbor about the love of God. That's how. That's just how rapidly the gospel was spreading because Jesus changes lives. But now we are looking to so many other things to change life. But imagine if we lived that way. And if you're watching right now, Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to change your life. He wants to turn your life upside down. And that's something that maybe you never thought could happen. You never thought you could be used by somebody. You thought you were, you were left. There's nothing good that could ever come of who you are or what you could do. God can do new things. And God does it through ordinary people who are uneducated. He doesn't need the best of the best. He doesn't need perfect. He just needs available. And if that's you right now, as you're sitting in your office, listening, maybe you're sitting on your couch watching. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're in your car. But God is saying, I want to change your life. And if that's you, let's pause right now and let's pray and give you a moment to make a change. Just say, dear God, I never thought I could be forgiven. I never thought I could be loved. I never thought I could be used again. But God, I ask that you would forgive me, that you'd set me free of my past. God, I believe that your son, Jesus, he really did die and he really does want to change my life. And so Jesus, I believe in you and I ask that you would help me to live for you today. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. If you prayed with me, Please, please, please let us know. The host at the end of service, at the end of this, at the end of our online experience is going to give you your next steps. Please follow those because I want to send you some encouragement so that you can continue to walk, so you can be part of this radical movement of what God is doing in our city and here at City View Church. So, okay, so what, what grabs, what, what, so what is it, what happens when God grabs a hold of the hearts of people? You see, in that time, what was going on is when Jesus grabbed the heart of people, he started changing everything in people. He changes everything around them. You see, when God grabbed the heart of those people, it, it, it changed cities, it changed their neighborhoods, it, it, changed, it was changing lives. And look what happens in one city, if you look in the city called Thessalonica. But you're like, where in the world is that? It's, it's over in the Middle East. It's over in, in it's over in the, um, like by the Mediterranean Sea. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when Paul and his friends had passed through Am- Amphipolis, sorry, I don't even know how to say those first two, Apollyon, they came to Thessalonica. I know how to say that one where there was a synagogue of the Jews. So Paul was, when Paul went, and when he was doing things, you got to see, Paul was very strategic. Paul picked Thessalonica. Here's why. Thessalonica was an influential city that had many people, that was in a place where culture and things spread. You see, this was a major city. It was a seaport city. It was a city that could cause change. If you live in the valley, you live in a city just like this. We're not a seaport city, but we are a major city. We're one of the biggest, fastest growing cities in our nation. You too live in a city of influence. There are companies moving from all over, coming to the valley to build their business and their industry here. You too live in a city with a large population where we have millions and millions of people that live here. Imagine what would happen if God used Phoenix to be the center point where he takes this gospel and it spreads to our nation. And so Paul goes to this place called Thessalonica and it says in verse two, and Paul went in and as his custom on on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and providing that, proving that it was necessary for Christ to suffer and for Jesus to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. This Messiah, this Savior, this this man that you've heard about, that died on a cross, he didn't just die, but he rose from from the dead. And this, people didn't like this. They didn't like this message, especially the religious people. The religious people wanted things their way, it, but once you add Jesus, they lose authority, they lose power, they lose influence, because now there's a Savior that loves people, not according to the sacrifices they bring, but according to the life that He gives. Now, that takes the influence and the power away from the Jewish people. They didn't like that. And it says in verse 4, and some of them, meaning the people, the crowd that Paul is preaching to, were persuaded, and they joined Paul and Silas, and they did a, gr- and, and a great many of the devout Greeks—that means people— people who were not religious in the way of Judaism, but Greeks, meaning they they believed in multiple of the gods. It says, and the devout Greeks and quite a few of the leading women had changed lives. But when the Jews were jealous, verse five, and taking some wicked men on the, on, and of the rabble and they formed a mob and they set the city in an uproar and they attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city and authorities and they shouted these words. These men, who have turned the world upside down, have come here also. This is what was happening. When Jesus comes in, he takes over a life. You see, this is, what was ha- this is what happens. When Jesus comes in, when Jesus takes over a church, this is what happens in a world. This is what happens when Jesus takes over a city, he turns it upside down. Paul preached Jesus. He preached the saving hope found in Jesus. And a group of people decided to live out the life that Jesus has to offer them. Remember last week? What happens when Jesus, what what is it that Jesus wants to do? That quote by Tony Evans, Jesus doesn't want to take sides. Jesus wants to take over. Some of us, we're so focused on a political side. We're so focused on that, that we've forgotten that Jesus is the one that really changes lives. Jesus is the one that really changes policies. Jesus is the one that can really help a nation with social injustices, with finances, with getting out of debt. It's not whether or not the president is great at setting a budget. It is Jesus who can change the lives of all people. That's what changes things. And I wonder how many of us are so focused on what seat that we are in and the, color of, and the color that it is that we have forgotten the impact that Jesus can have in the lives of people. Verse 5 reminds us that when we decide to actually live this life, because I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you now. Are you a consumer or are you a contributor? Because here's what happened. In, in the story, you have this guy, Jason. Jason could easily have just been, you know what? I don't want to be, a, I'm just, you guys, I don't want to be a part of it. You can't use my house. I don't want to risk anything. I have too much to risk. I don't want to lose my finances or anything. He could have. But here's what happens. When you decide to live a life for Christ, you decide whether or not you want to be part of the team that's going to turn the world upside down or just sit and watch it. And I think there's some of us that we are just sitting and watching life go by. We are just sitting and watching other people serve at church. We're sitting and watching people make life changes. And you don't think, maybe there's two things. Maybe one, you don't think you can. Or maybe you don't want to give the time. And I want to help you transition from being a consumer to being a contributor. To being on the team. And so, but it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Jason was pulled out of his house, this guy, verse 5. They roughed him up a bit. But God never left him alone. They kept going. The disciples kept going. These people who had a life change kept going. And what changed people wasn't just a convincing debate. What changed the city, you see the city, when they saw other Christians being beat for what they it didn't make them stop. What changed them wasn't some debate. It wasn't some convincing argument, but it was the message of the gospel. It was seeing people living the law of Christ. It was seeing people truly loving one another. That is what impacted a city. And these people fought against, there, was, there were these people, This people in verse five, they were fighting against this message. They didn't want this message. They didn't want the message of love, of the love of Jesus to change anybody else because then they lost influence. It says in verse six, for these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. That's what this small group of believers were doing. They were turning the world upside down. Turning the world upside down. Verse 7, I love verse 7. It says, and, Jason and says, and Jason, this guy who allowed them in their house, he received them. And they were all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. Everybody was focusing on Jesus. Not on Caesar, not on the next Caesar, not on the next one that might be able to rule or run things better, but they focused on Jesus. They were turning the world upside down by their actions against Caesar, saying that there is another king. There is another kingdom. And remember, last week I talked about this kingdom. In Jesus' kingdom, there is those who are wealthy and have power leverage it to influence and change the world. In Jesus' kingdom is where the king lays down his life for his people, not the people laying laying down their life for their king. In Jesus' kingdom, all are invited, all are welcomed, and all are loved. This new kingdom that they're talking about, they knew the kingdom of Caesar, but they said, but in this kingdom where Jesus reigns, love is found. You are invited and you are welcomed. You see, in the kingdom, in this kingdom, their king loved them and treated them equally and loved them unconditionally and offered them hope. And offered them new life. This was different. And this is what was changing everything. How many people right now are looking to a Caesar to change their life? How many people are looking to a political party or a president or a relationship or a career to change their life and their surroundings? How many people? When they don't realize that the one who could change their life is right there. And maybe that's you. You don't realize that the one who can change your life is the Jesus that I'm talking about right now. You see, when this small group of people, when our people, when they walked their communities, when they ate dinner with their friends, and they were not consumed with others, But they started sharing a hope. A hope that would fix things. And they allowed this hope and this love for one another to consume them. Things started to change in their city. Imagine if we took this message of hope to our city. Imagine if we did everything that we do now. I mean, you look at these 90-mile trains of people wanting to rally and drive around the state talking about a president and i mean that's cool and all and it's significant it's neat but it's it's not going to change the world it just looks cool it looks cool on your feed but imagine if we were as radical like that imagine if we took that kind of heart and passion and put it in to a life lived for jesus You see, when we get lost in the weeds of political fights and which side is right or wrong, we rob our world and we rob our neighbors and we rob our friends and our family and our cities. We rob them of a message of hope when we get so wrapped up in something that doesn't really matter. And I know that's not your heart, and I know that's not my heart. The fathers of Jesus—this wasn't their heart. They started to live a life of loving one another, and it shook an empire. It shook an entire empire. This idea was disturbing and unsettling, and even dangerous to the Roman Empire. You might think, but why? What's so bad about loving one another? Here's what was happening: classes of people and class, and 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 they, who rarely ever overlapped. Only when it was unavoidable, as they were walking along the streets, classes of people, rich and poor, Jew and Gentile, the known and the unknown, they started to come together voluntarily. They came together regularly to worship a crucified Jesus. And this was baffling to a nation. This was baffling to an empire. This didn't make sense to them. But why would they come together to worship the crucified Jesus? Because he didn't stop at being dead. He rose from the dead. Because Jesus' message was so clear. He says, I have come to establish a new kind of kingdom where everyone is invited And everyone can be a part of what I'm doing. You see, Jesus. when Jesus came in and when he was sharing this message of hope, he says, all of you can be a part of it right now. It doesn't matter whether you're the lowest of the low, the highest of the high, whether you have everything or whether you have nothing, whether you are influential or not, you can all be a part of what I'm doing here and I can change your life. This message shook everything. For us, we can't imagine how countercultural, how disturbing, how dangerous the message of Jesus and the words of Paul were. We read them like, oh yeah, well, why wouldn't people love one another? Why would people be so divided? How can you have that much division? I mean, look at America. We're fighting to not have that much division. Yeah, we live on the other side of Jesus who changed that. It wasn't a president, it wasn't people who all of a sudden decided, you know what, we want to come and make our own nation just because we feel like it. It was people who were changed by the love of Jesus who got onto boats to come to America to make things. Did they do things a little bit wrong? We all do things a little bit wrong. But the heart was for freedom. And so we step back and we look, and this doesn't make sense to us, but this was a time where slavery, having a slave was common. This was a time where women had no dignity, children had no rights. This was a time where people were divided on so many different levels. Human life was so very, it was not valued like it is today. But the teachings of Jesus changed everything. And when this message hit the people and hit the nation, it spread like wildfire. Because all of a sudden, people realized that there is a God who actually loves them. The teachings of Jesus were not just a a, a tweak. You know, you have those businesses that want to just sort of tweak things to make them a little better. You see, the teachings of Jesus were not tweaks. They were total revolutionary. They were turning things upside down. It was a total overhaul. And this is not. This wasn't just some little thing that Jesus wanted to do. It was a major thing. This was not just upsetting to the Roman Empire, but others' religions, businesses, political leaders, homes and families all over were being turned upside down by this. They were being impacted. And what was happening during this time was you had this emperor named, named Nero. He actually, he he is seeing that things are spreading, that there's conflict within his own nation, and he lights his own city on fire because he hates what the Christians are doing. Because when you start teaching that everybody is equal, that everybody's the same, you no longer have influence or power to manipulate people. And Nero sees this. He lights his own city on fire, and he burns Rome, and he blames it on Christians, And the Romans were taught that Christians were the problem. They are the reason why the gods are mad at them. They are the reason why there are so many problems and issues in their city. So this one young governor named Pliny the Younger took it upon himself to be a part of Nero's mission to get rid of these Christians. And so he starts to seek out, why are they so evil? And he sent in spies. He said, I'm going to see what is it that they're doing that they're so bad. So he roughed up a few, he threw a few in prison and he started interviewing, why are you so bad? Why does Nero, why do these emperors hate you? And this is what he found. He found that they came together once a week. And he says, okay, okay, what do you do? You come together once a week. Early in the morning and you do your church service to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. So, so they come first day of the week on Sundays and they didn't have the convenience of having Sundays off like we do, many of us, but they would come to church early in the morning before they had to go to work. Can you imagine if that's how we had to do church? If we didn't have a day off, but we had to inconvenience ourselves to wake up a little earlier. You're willing to do that for the gym. You're willing to get up a little earlier to, to go to the gym. These Christians were getting up early to go to church. Before work, you live, we live in such a time where everything is so convenient. but he's this guy playing he's, he's looking going, okay, so you get up early and then you come together and you sing songs. Now why do they sing? We sing now as a way of worship, but one of the reasons why they sang is they did not know many of them didn't know how to read. They didn't have the Bible like we have today. so they would learn, scriptures, they would learn truths, they would learn theology, they would learn about God through the songs and the chants that they would memorize. They would learn about how mighty their God is. And then he heard, and then he heard about these oaths that they were taking. These vows and these commandments they were living under. He's probably thinking, okay, these these oaths have got to be something like, we will not follow the emperor. We will go and attack the king. We will go, no matter what our rights are. We will fight for the right to live. But here's what he found: they were taking oaths, and it had nothing to do going against the king. There's no evil found. But he found that they vowed together to not commit fraud, to not steal from each other or from those around them. They were not going to treat each other dishonestly with finances or trade. They were making promises, taking oaths that they would not cheat. They promised to love one another, to come alongside each other, to to share the message of hope and love. They made promises not to commit adultery. They made promises to treat each other equally. And in a pagan world where there was no morality or ethics, You had your civil law that treated things one way, but when it came to the worship of your God, you could do anything and everything you wanted. If it meant committing adultery as part of your worship of your God, you could. If it meant killing your child, you could. If it meant firing or killing somebody else, you could. When it came to worshiping your God, you had no right. But all of a sudden, there's this God, this Jesus, who says, Love one another. The gods didn't care how you treated each other. They didn't care how you treated your wife. They didn't care how you treated your kids. They didn't care how you treated all the other people. And Pliny sees that there's this new belief that they came together. They actually did things that mattered. That they treated each other fairly. And that they were accountable to God for how they acted. That there was actually an accountability And then things started to change and he had to step back and say, wait a minute. These are some of the best people. And you can find his writings. You can find find Pliny the Younger's writings and what he says about Christians. And he says, these are some of the finest people in our empire. Why would we get rid of them? This new belief, this new religion, it changed everything and it started to spread. Just like it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And these men who have turned the world upside down have come here now. It was a new law, a law that changed things, the law of Christ, which is to love one another. It changed the city and it turned the world upside down. And we are now living in a time where, where people need hope. They need love. They need to know that things are going to be okay. And we have that hope. You see, in those days, if you could be divided, you were. But God's heart was to change and love people. You see, God's heart wasn't just for that time to turn the world upside down. And God's not done. Some people look at God as if he started a clock and stepped away and said, okay, now you live and go do. You see, God is wanting to turn the world upside down again. God has a very clear vision for this world and for you and I as believers. And I believe part of it is right here in John chapter three, verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus says, with that love, he says, and when a church, my church, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and my church is going to be used to change the world. You see, God says, it says he loved the world. He gave his son so that no one believes, so that everyone may have life. When a person has a vision, you see, God has a vision. That means he has a preferred future that he sees. God had a vision of a world that might be turned upside down when people realize that he loves them. See, as a church, we have a preferred future that we see. We have a vision that we see as a church. And here's our vision. City View Church, we want to reach the valley for Christ. Because we we believe that we have the best message. That we have the only message. The message of hope. The message of love. And that message is taken when we love one another. This is what we want to see our valley. We want to see our valley on fire for Christ. We want to see the valley turned upside down for him. But the thing is, I can't do it alone. I can't. I mean, we got a team of people and you. some of you probably look going, but they've got enough people. We don't. Imagine if everybody saw the 12 disciples Says, I'm not going to do anything. It looks like they're doing a great job. And they got mentored by Jesus himself. I mean, what do I have to offer? Imagine, it it would have died. But you see, Jesus instilled in them, okay, I'm going to use you 12, and then I want you to multiply. And then I want you to multiply again. When you look at what Jesus did, he took the 12 and he says, okay, you go by twos and you go. And then he brought in more and he says, okay, now the 77, you multiply and now you go. And then he multiplied and multiplied. Jesus taught on multiplication. Jesus taught that it's never meant for just one, but is meant for a crew, a team of people to go and take this message. And these disciples, they turned the world upside down. They got together and they did it. And others saw the vision and they joined in. And they served and they joined and they joined the team. And they took this message around them. And they used their time, they used their talents, and they used their treasure to further the gospel of God. And we are now living on the other side of that. So I want to ask you, yes, you, You've been sitting now for a while. Maybe it's time for you to start coming back to church. Maybe it's time for you when you come back to join the team. To be a part of what God is doing at City View. You see, you are either a consumer or you're a contributor. You have to make that decision. Where are you sitting right now? Are you a consumer? Are you actually part of what God is doing? Are you a contributor? What are you doing? You see, when you join the team here at City View, you are joining a team of people and a church that wants to change the valley. We want to reach the valley for Christ. You are not just a number filling a role. You're not just a volunteer. A volunteer comes and goes as they think they're needed. You are joining a team, and a team member is always needed. You're joining a a team of people that have a very clear mission. We want to reach the valley for Christ, Our very clear vision. We want to reach the valley for Christ. We have a very clear mission. We do it by helping people belong in community. We want to help people believe in Jesus. And we want to help people become who God is calling them to be. And we see all people at City View as you are welcome because there are no perfect people here. No perfect. We're all a hot mess trying to figure out life. Will you join the team? You may think, but what can I do? I, I, are you an actor? Do you like to write? Are you an artist? Are you a designer? Are you an organizer? Are you an event planner? Are you, are you a people person? Are you a behind-the-scenes kind of person? Then we've got a spot for you. We have a team for you. Maybe you love meeting new people, helping people with their finances, helping people with their marriages and parenting. Maybe, maybe you like to help people um, feel welcome, building things, working with computers, using cameras, taking pictures. I don't know about you. Here's how it worked for me when I joined the team. I just finished Bible college. I came back and I got a call from a girl named Corey. And Corey said, she had watched me, she had known me, and I wasn't joining a team. I was sitting at church consuming. I was a consumer. I had a fresh mind from, from, I had a fresh pouring in my mind of Bible college stuff, and I was sitting at a church consuming information. She said, Jeremiah, would you like to join my team? She said, would you like to sing on the junior high worship team? And I joined a team. And then all of a sudden, God started to move me and shake me to where I became a leader in that youth team, where then God, uh, because I was available, God then said, Jeremiah, will you lead the junior high? And then because I was available, God said, Jeremiah, will you now lead the youth ministry? And as I continued, God gave me more and more opportunities, but it was a step, an uncomfortable step, a step that I did not see coming, but it was a step of obedience that I took. So I ask you, will you join the team? Let's not be defined by the seat that we're in. We're so, so many of us are so consumed by all these other things. But let's be a part of the mission and the vision of what God has given us. Let's reach the valley for Christ. Let's turn our city upside down. I believe that that can be done again. Let us be people that listen, that learn, and that love. Let us, let love lead us and pursue everything with unity. Can we, can we as a people, can we as a church, can we disagree politically, love unconditionally, and pray for unity? Can we as a church be so unified that the world looks in and see it says, what's different? Can we be a church known for turning things upside down, for coming into schools, loving people, for going into our workplaces and loving people, for being a church that is actually a church that's doing. You see, I want to invite you to be a part of that. Can we be a church that's so on mission that even the gates of hell can't stop us? See, I can't do this alone. I don't want to do it alone. I want to invite you to be on mission with me. So if you're sitting, stop. Join a team. Let's go. I think we can see God turn our city upside down again. Imagine, just imagine with me, imagine. Imagine if we all joined a team. If we loved our neighbor. And when new people come into our doors every Sunday, it is the most welcoming, loving place That people realize that this is the perfect place for imperfect people. That people realize they can belong. That we see people believe. And that we are watching a church of people becoming who God is calling them to be. And when we do this, we reach the valley for Christ. And we do that by loving one another. Will you join the team? Be a part of the vision and help us fulfill the mission that God has given us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much. God, I thank you that you love us, that you pray for us, that you desire to use us. And Lord, that you want to change us. And God, I ask that you would do a work in our hearts. Lord, if we need to take that step of faith, God, that we would. God, if we need to to allow you to work and move in us, God, that we would allow you to do that. Jesus, I ask, God, that we would be available. That we would make ourselves available no matter what, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Join us next week as we start our new series, The Power Within You as we look at the book of Philippians and how God has given you so much to live this life to be a world changer. God bless you. Thanks for listening. For more information, check out our website at cityviewphx.com or download the City View app on the App Store.